Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This week on Forward, we have me, Jules Turpak, hosting, and we speak with comedian Ryan Long about comedy, of course, today's political climate, our relationship with work, and much more. This week on Forward. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ford. My name is Jules Turpak. You may have turned into an episode with me, uh, Zach or Yang in the past, but today I'm actually leading. I'm here with Ryan Long, who I'm going to intro in just a second. But if you haven't tuned into an episode with me on it before, I definitely want to give a quick background because this is definitely a change from when Zach um, or Yang are leading. So I'm a cultural commentator pre- predominantly on TikTok. I've grown my platform to 250K on there. I'm mostly focused on tech and digital culture, but in reality today, digital culture funnels into every aspect of life. And on that platform, I often uplift ideas like UBI and independent politics because I think it's an important aspect of our future. So that's kind of the role I play in all of this, but, and how I fit in here. But today's guest is Ryan Long, comedian, I would say cultural commentator as well. Do you like ever deem yourself as so? No, I would just say comedian. Really? Nailed it the first time. Got it. Okay. Just comedian. Um, you're actually the first comedy show I've ever been to. Which one? I went to the stand. It was like when you were actually recording your special. You came on the special table? Yes. Yes. That was very nice yeah, of you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was, I was like scared because I didn't want to be like singled out. Like I was just in the back. I was like, I hope like, you, you know, like with yeah. the stand up stuff. Um, but I was in the back and I was like. You don't want to end up in like a comedian destroys heckler compilation? Yeah. The, yeah, exactly that. And But I was in the corner. So I was like, this is, I feel like prime spot if someone's just in the very far back corner for you to be like, hey, you back there? Yeah. Luckily you didn't. I don't do a ton of crowd <laughs> stuff, period. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you didn't at all. Like, no. one one of your like uh people who went before you was doing it a lot and i was like oh god yeah but i think yeah. that a lot of comedians do crowd work was uh you know right now it ta- how, how long does it take to put together an hour of comedy yeah you know a long time and how long does it take together put that together an hour of crowd work one hour <laughs> yeah the, the go-to question is always what do you do for work <laughs> yeah 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 always that's the host stuff is there any <laughs> bachelorette parties in the area yeah, yeah, that's hosting stuff. I don't even really know what I would say for that. But aside from comedy, you also host the Boys Cast podcast with your friend Danny. How do you pronounce his last name? Polish Chuck. Okay, cool. I mean, and how long have you guys known each other? How did you meet? For a long time. He's a comic from Toronto, too. Mm-hmm. So we both kind of moved here at the same time. And like, I mean, finding a 
a good dynamic for someone as a podcast host is like definitely difficult for the long term. He's also often on your YouTube channel. Well, like, me, me and Danny have been doing stuff forever together. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I came from Toronto and I was doing a lot of this stuff for a really long time over there. And when I came to America, I just kind of did all the same stuff, but here. Yeah. So wait, that's awesome. So he was in Toronto with you? Yeah. He's, he's also Canadian. So I moved here. He moved here like three months later or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, kind of slacked on it. And then I figured everything out. Yeah. Um, and you came in the beginning of the pandemic, right? Yeah. Like uh, maybe four months before. Okay. Yeah. That's. No, I wasn't here for very long before they shut it down. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible timing. I know. But yeah, no. So I basically, to be honest, it kind of feels like I was thinking about this last week where I was like, I basically. It took me about two years to kind of get my life back in America the way it was in Canada, but it's just bigger now because it's America. Oh, 100%. And you've done traditional media stuff too. Do you still do that? And what was that? Well, I did, uh, I've done a few like TV shows and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. probably before I was moving here, I was doing digital for a long time. So I I had this TV show, the CBC, Canadian Broadcast, uh, Socialist Comedy Network. Uh, Mm. And it was... I did maybe three seasons of this show called Trontopia, and then I did a show there called That Guy. I was doing digi- like those digital sketches, very similar to what I was doing now. My the old TV shows were kind of like on the street, like Ali G stuff, which I still yep. do a lot of that. And then the best, yeah. Tom Green was like kind of the guy for like me and my friends growing up. And then uh, I was doing digital sketches and I, there and this website called The Hard Times that I helped build up, which is like a satire site. So I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff, but it was always about specific. I was doing stuff about kind of Toronto and Canada culture and you know kind of party culture and the scene and yep. stuff. And then I was doing the same thing about you know music stuff and which is all kind of part, uh, you know, worlds I was in. And then when I moved here, I was kind of doing it about, you know, current culture, which I think at the time I would say that current culture and politics were very like intertwined. Of of course. So yeah, I mean, you hit all aspects of culture really well, but um, definitely most of your top viewed YouTube videos have to do with politics. I think I thought when I- Some of them, yeah. yeah. I have have a few, to be honest, my top viewed ones uh, I, my biggest video ever is a, is a more like standard guy, girl stuff mm-hmm. on the street. Yeah. Yeah. But the, well, I was just going to say that one. Cause yeah, yeah. when I went to your profile, I was like, okay, the, the woke and racist one is definitely top. And then it was that. That was, a, no, this one's bigger. That one's yes. actually not the biggest. There's, that's the thing about YouTube. <laughs> there, there is the videos that really kind of what you're saying, like influence culture where it almost you know, someone sometimes will do something, you know, South Park would always be like this, where mm-hmm. they would do a bit or an episode and then moving forward, you couldn't like you, you'd, you'd have to build on that. Yep. And if you ever wanted to make that same point, you'd have to kind of be like, well, South Park did their version of this. And Simpsons had a lot of that stuff, too, where it essentially changes the dynamics of culture. But then there are these things, you know, there's people on YouTube operating where it's like you wouldn't even you go, who is that guy? I don't even know his name. And you go, yeah, he does 100 million views an episode. Yeah. You know, there's these huge people on the Internet that it's just slightly outside of culture. I always think, you know, there's kind of actors in Hollywood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then there's television. Then there's sort of uh, comedians. Then there's like podcasters, YouTubers. Then there's like streamers. Then there's sort of like the, <laughs> the streamers depths. on alternative <laughs> platforms. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them have these huge audiences, but no one knows about it. Yeah, I mean, because everyone's pocket of the internet. Yeah, with the algorithms, like people, yeah, like you're saying, have millions. And I'm like, I've never seen them, but they're all in like my friend's algorithms constantly. But yeah, there's an ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. And for people to have context to your YouTube channel, yeah, you're doing a lot of sketches, um, um, a lot of different camera angles. They're not kind of like one go. And the top video we were talking about, it was how to break a man, most honest girl ever. And I think it like now it's 
post it as a short because it's less than a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that whatever it did like across platforms, like I don't know, thirty million views or something. What, like that was just is I don't even want to know. Like that's real, correct? Yeah. Oh, like so I have this thing on TikTok. No, I just dude, it, that is just standard man on the street stuff. Like I, I really did come up, you know, doing yeah. the. I don't know if you know I call it pranks, like yes. man on the street bothering people, and a lot of my early stuff was like me, you know, getting kicked out of places and just doing that stuff, and. Then when I moved here, I, I kind of said, I was like, I don't really know people here. I don't really have a crew. You know, you spent <laughs> yeah. this entire life building like a network and we had a studio in Toronto and all this sort of stuff. Right. So when I moved here, I was like, OK, I know what I can do very easily is this on the street stuff because I just need a camera and a mic. So that's why I started doing that stuff, because I'm like, I don't know anyone. Yeah. Well, lately on. So t- I went back to my roots. Yeah. Back <laughs> to the roots. <laughs> So on TikTok, though, I recently found someone who's like they did kind of on the street stuff. It's more wholesome type of content. But I figured out that they stage. Yo, what's your body count, yo? Yeah. But they stage so much of it. And I was like, oh, God. OK. But anyway, this video. Staging's wild because, yeah. I mean, for starters, the whole positive part about that art form is or art form. But you know what I mean? That genre of making no, stuff. No, it's an art form. Yeah. To I be know. entertaining. Yeah. I, I mean, anything that. It, yeah, I guess it can be an art form. I mean, I, I kind of study it. I mean, I think the technical thing is like the art of like clowning. Yes. Whatever, yeah. Right. But um, the whole thing is it's the easiest one. So you go, you know what? I could go out for a day and make a ton of videos. And if you're good at it, it's kind of the same as crowd work. It's easier. Right. So if I was to say, OK, well, if I'm going to interview 10 people, it's like what now I have 10 actors. I guess I guess you could go find people on the street and be like, hey, can I give you money to say this? It's like that is disgusting to me. Like that's the equivalent of having like a plant and a, you know, doing crowd work and having plants in the audience. Yeah. Like to me, that is just I guess every you know, I feel like the Internet has no rules, you know, the same way that people like meme guys feel no ways of stealing content. They're just like, what? It's the Internet's joke. No I don't know. credit. Yeah. 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 Well, they just don't see it. They see the whole world very differently. Right. Whereas I think to me coming from like doing that stuff, that would just be like insane. Like it feels like a moral boundary, like to yeah take so what much content. Mean, what are you doing? It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. No, it, it is crazy. And like um on that video too, when you, cause you do a lot of street interviews, do people ever reach out and like, can you take that yeah. down a lot? Uh-huh. No, n- uh, yeah, not a lot, a lot, but it does happen. Yeah, probably, I don't know, 20 times. Cause they probably don't realize like your audience. No, and- they don't. <laughs> No means by that. Yeah. And sometimes they, I have taken a few things down. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally it depends on what the context was and what their reason was. So you like, is it ever only content that you take down? No public backlash stuff. It's only that involves other people that you end up. The only time I've ever taken anything down. Yeah. Is generally if I, if it's like old and I actually didn't like it or whatever, or some version of here, be example, there was this girl they did a video. Um, it was about like pedophiles, right? <laughs> and she didn't even look that stupid. But I basically was, <laughs> was saying that I was trying to get them to argue against the idea that a good way to get rid of pedophiles is like how your dad makes you smoke a pack of cigarettes to get rid of smoking. Like, what if we got all the pedophiles just have sex with so many kids that they got sick of it? And whatever. I was. She was flipping it, and she was. Jesus. What? Yeah, and she was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's whenever you talk yeah, about yeah. any, that's why I, when we talk about art form, any, all of this stuff is so silly. And then when you put yourself in like a kind of like a mm, yeah, well, right serious, now we're like- <laughs> you know, podcasting situation and you talk about mm-hmm. the type of garbage that we're making. Right. But I think the, you know, whatever the art is to try to get people in these like moments. And that's like the 
I guess from the technical thing, you'd be like to try to trap someone in the right like improv game where they they can't leave or whatever. But anyways, she was like, I work with kids as a job and I work with underprivileged kids and I'm very like worried that this thing's gonna, and then I didn't really even see that. And then she came to my show. She was so stressed out about it. And she's like, I'm applying for this job and this video, oh which she God. was arguing against it. So I don't even know, but she was just so stressed out about it. And she wasn't even being a jerk about it. She was just like, and I was just like, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, whatever, fine. So yeah. I just said, yeah, no problem. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy in that I knew if you're going to spend eight hours doing something, you should probably invest in doing it right. That's why I love Helix Sleep, which will send a mattress to your door that's made just for you. You take the Helix Sleep quiz and you get matched with a mattress based upon whether you want it to be soft, medium, firm, how you sleep, other variables, and then voila, it gets sent to your door and you can try it for up to 100 nights and send it back. They have a 10 plus year warranty because they believe in their product so much. I do too, my kids do too. They actually seek out this mattress even though it was designed not for them. <laughs> That's how good this product is. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple chiropractors and doctors because they think it'll make you healthier. Don't take my word for it. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So your second most viewed video is the one that you definitely always get like called on for is when wokes and racists actually agree on everything. And a lot of your content is kind of going on both sides of the extremes. I'm interested, like what is usually. I think so. That's why I like you guys. I think I was talking about, you know, somewhat mm -hmm. similar perspective of how the world works. Yeah. yeah. Like I think kind of yeah, hitting all angles, whether it's two sides, whether it's like five sides of it. Um, so usually when you are getting comments on these videos, do, is there a lot of backlash? Because you are kind of equally often hitting both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. But, well, as you know, I think that there was a moment where hitting both sides was, a you know, an admission of being on one side. Right. That's, that's kind of how they saw it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, but it depends on what, you know, it depends on what you, like, consider backlash. Right. So yeah. there was a while where it was very, we're going to try to get you fired from your jobs and your sponsors and all that. But I was... Pretty early on when I moved here, I, I knew that I was, in my opinion, moving away from being part of the industry and moving into a scenario where I was trying to design my life that I couldn't have it all taken away. Yep. So if I if I got a lot, you know, it'd be it would I've, there's one sometimes, you know, there'll be like mass flagging campaigns. Everyone's mad at you. People post these videos. This guy's bad. And then everyone tries to flag all your stuff. And that would suck if you just got deleted. And those things suck. Right. And that's part of like kind of internet culture right now. But I think the, if I was to say, oh, I did all this stuff and I lost sponsors or I lost this, I would kind of now rejig my brain of, okay, I'm now I have like these pressure points that can be hit here. So I'm trying to design a life that I could 
you know, be a comedian that I don't have to always think about, oh, am I going to get in trouble for this? So I can just try to make the stuff that I think is funny. And I think that's the people that are doing the best right now. If I look at, if you look at this like moment in time and you go, who's actually making the best stuff where it doesn't feel like they're, what do people want or what am I not going to get in trouble for? They actually looking at the pulse and the energy and trying to be like, what would be the funniest thing? Like, and actually just doing it from, you know, like a pure trying to be great standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think if I looked at all those things, it directly corresponds with the people that have designed their life that they can't have it taken away from them. Yeah. Cause that, that pressure is so strong and it's, you can pretend it doesn't creep into your brain, but it does. Oh, a hundred percent. And like for that video, um, again, for everyone it has like 6 million views. It's called when woke and racist actually agree on everything. Definitely check it out. How, what was like the process for it? Because I mean, it was just like gold. And was it kind of over a few weeks, obviously just like observing current culture or did you guys just sit down, you and Danny sit down together and just- I, I write the it? videos, but that was honest yeah. to God, just another video for me. Yeah. There, it was never- Supposed to, yeah. Like you no, didn't think, it wasn't any intentional. Like, no, there's yeah, the yeah. odd time that I predicted it. But I, I think that, I, th I haven't talked about that one. In a, yeah, that was a while ago. But I think the the original thing was just, I remember, you know, whatever. I had this joke about- uh the way that they would kind of classify people. I remember even when I was in Toronto, mm -hmm. them being like, you know, having this separate comedy shows for races and stuff like that. And then whatever, there was a, there was a few things that were happening kind of at that moment that I think that that was why I made that that week, but I never thought it was going to, I was doing a lot of these two shirt videos, but I think that's a perfect idea of a video that what we talked about, that that was like a moment where not as, you know, over blow it or whatever, but I've had a few things that I've said that I feel like did influence the way that at least, you know, comics, which are part of the ecosystem that other people look at, where uh, someone that I uh, really liked, he goes, yeah, you did a, I, I like that video because it was kind of like, oh, cool. We don't have to be mad about that anymore. Someone yep. said, it was just like someone said the thing and then you can kind of move on. But so for me, I was like, I, I, then I, I kind of wouldn't say that again now. So when I look at that now, I little bit think like if I saw someone make a version of that video now, I'd be like, duh. Like mm -hmm. it, so you kind of, uh, when you influence the thing, it kind of just gets in there and then your own points become hack. I think that's, if you look at so many, uh, comedians or bands or whatever that had like a very specific style that changed the world. Yep. I think the most egregious example of that would be Jerry Seinfeld where, mm -hmm. Him doing stand-up the way that he invented, which changed the course of stand-up, seems like a person doing an impression of stand-up comedy. It's true. So if he comes up and he's like, what's the deal? And you go, oh, this guy's like doing an impression of comedy. He's like, yep, but I invented it. But you, so you sort of, I feel strongly about moving away from my own things as soon as they get popular. Yeah. <laughs> and like for a lot of your videos too, you've gotten like media outreach. And I feel like it tends to be right-leaning ones that ask you to come on, which is interesting in the way that, because what you were saying earlier, when you typically come at both sides, I feel like it's typically the the left that tends to put you in the, a box of, oh, you know, you need to pick a side. Like, oh, you're a centrist. It's like, no. And I think you said this in, in, in an interview. You're like, I'm just not playing the game like yeah. at all. So well, what, I'm a comedian. I'm yeah. Yeah. To be a comedian. So like what has that been, dynamic been like in terms of like, yeah, when you are making fun of. Well, both I've watched. Sides. I mean, yeah, the 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 right tries to use people for their message the same yeah, way the exactly. left tries to use people for their message, right? You know, it's fun to make fun of, but you'll see, you know, these uh, these articles being, you know, like Comedy Central and places like this will do this a lot, where they'll take a left wing comedian and be like, this, you know, Muslim uh, trans 
uh, non-binary anxiety. It's changing the way comedy works and you'll have to deal with it. And everyone's like, yo, fuck this girl. This isn't even, you know what I mean? But she didn't necessarily ask for that. Mm -hmm. She just did this thing. And then the Comedy Central is kind of like, if you don't think she's great, then, you know, F you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, and then this person becomes the poster child for their message. And the right is very into that as well. But, you know, that these uh, things are constantly changing, right? So the the political movements are always going to be tried. Political movements are inherently moralizing. And whenever uh, the moralizing on the other side is more popular, I feel like that becomes the, the strong telling you what to do side, which obviously was more the left in the last four years. So naturally any dissonance are going to step away from the person who's telling you what to do because it's, I think inherently uh, oil and water with creating funny and good things. You know, any strict code of conduct that you can't step outside is obviously going to be your natural instinct is to challenge it if you're trying to be doing anything in art that's at least relevant to, you know, uh, culture. So then when that happens, you start, and then everyone that's against that, they start being like, look, these guys agree with us because I think that comedians and people that, you know, at least build themselves as unpartisan it's like more appealing for them to be like look this guy's on our side but the part that happens next is they don't say you know look at these guys they're moralizing then the other people say yeah and this is what should happen and then i think that's when then the artists start to leave them you know yeah because most of the time yeah you go everyone's a lot of times everyone agrees at pointing something out wrong but then they have very different uh diagnoses of what should happen now for sure. Or what you replace it. Yeah. And it's an interesting conversation because you talked about earlier how you've been trying to kind of move into your own thing. That way no one can break it down. Like no one can take my yeah, yeah, like, life no, away. Yeah. yeah. No one can take your life away. And I'm interested to hear your experience between yeah traditional media and what you do now mostly on YouTube. And like I'm sure obviously you, you feel very strong in your individual endeavors more so now than in past years. Yeah. And like there's the whole conversation right now about free speech. And regardless, like if you're working with a team that is overhead of you in traditional media, there are those external pressures with different things you can and cannot say. Like how has your experience experience been both like monetarily and like sustaining yourself and also just like in terms of like liberation being able to like do this all on your own now with YouTube and everything yeah I was I was doing stuff in the thick of things getting wild right so you know it was everyone at these companies was fighting this too right it's not like when you go to these big businesses, they have a lot of people that just were into comedy that like have this job that they're not happy about it either. Mm-hmm. So I would have a lot of conversations of people being like, for example, when I was doing my show, it'd be, you know, things like the fact that I'm like white and uh, like a dude and straight or whatever. And I was like the director of the show and this and that. Why it was such a hard sell, right? So mm-hmm. I had like a very popular show and it would be like, it, you know, the amount of conversations of people being like, dude, you're a number one show. I'm like the biggest fan, but it's like, there's no, uh, okay, let me try to sell this and we package stuff and be like, there's no way I could sell this internally with like a white male lead. Like, is there any way that we could? And just, uh, it would just be constantly these kind of conversations mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, and, and it, it's not like you could just point any individual place is just what society was doing and what they were doing. But on top of that, the, um, the, I, when you're doing digital sketches, you having a, uh, two month window where you have to 
you know, put all these, you sell your thing. Here are our 10 ideas that we're doing. Then we kind of sell this, you know, then we kind of have uh, a bunch of people that kind of go through them and make notes. Then we shoot it. Then we edit it. Then we have someone make notes on it. It takes out like so much personality, like, like, yeah, authenticity from the beginning of it. So I remember even little things, like, for example, I remember kind of being part of that mainstream machine and doing sketches where a month later, we would, I would edit them mm-hmm. and then send them off. And I remember getting them back like three weeks later. So now total, it had been six or seven weeks since we shot. And I remember even at the time being like, not even culturally the moment had passed, but feeling like now this feels slow because the pacing of the internet sped up in those, you know, yeah. I remember just what felt right to me at the time, two months later, feeling slow because even speed wise and energy wise, things have their ebbs and flows, right? For sure. So I know the obvious thing is we'll just make, you know, evergreen content, things that aren't on the pulse, but it's like, well, sure, but that's not really a good recipe for making viral sketches. Like they've got to have, even if they're not, uh, you know, about something super specific, they're usually about sort of a, at least a, like the energy of culture, right? You're for catching sure. even that joke, like, it has some sort of context of why it it feels refreshing to be said at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's two months later, someone usually got to it. And if it's two, one week later, someone usually got to it. So not that I love, I think we, you know, I've talked about potentially making a movie and I would, it's, it is fun to make a show that isn't culturally, you know, like that, but the internet's like that. So I think that they are having a lot of internal problems about who they're allowed to select at the same time that the business models has a lot of kind of bugs too. Yeah. And like the original jokes or whatever, like the script that you come up with, it can be like gold, but the fact that people's job is kind of to make updates and all these things, people feel like they're not doing their job unless they're being yeah. like super nitty gritty about stuff. And then the end product ends up being shit because it's like, or not better at all. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there was a, I think, I think it was college humor that had, you know, some crazy amount of employees, right? Yep. It was, it was, it was really rising in how many people worked there. And then I think they lost all their funding and essentially like fired most of the people. And I think their like revenue and views didn't change. Mm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you just like just cut half the people and nothing changed because so many people don't need to be there. Yeah. It's just so excess. I'm always having that uh, debate internally of whether I grow my team or try to shrink it and make it more lean. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why let big tech companies see everything you're doing online when you can just use ExpressVPN and then be footloose and fancy free? Plus, you get access to exclusive content by beaming in to another market. What do I mean? Let's say you have Netflix and you missed the show Snowpiercer. By the way, I loved that movie. And you want to watch the TV series, not available in the US on Netflix, but if you beam into the UK or someplace else, then there's Snowpiercer on your Netflix. See how it works? This is a way you can get more from what you're already spending on streamers, plus totally anonymous online, plus you can do it by pushing one button anywhere you are. It's why I love ExpressVPN. It's like a set it and forget it. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com yang. Don't forget to use my link at expressvpn.com yang to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free.
There was the news of Netflix this week. Um, subscriber loss of 200,000 subscribers were lost when they meant to grow by like 2.5 million subscribers, I'm pretty sure it was. The and projections. Also, yeah, like the projections. And then CNN shut down one ma- – CNN Plus shut down one month after launch. Um, Yang actually put out a good tweet about this and I kind of agree with it. There are so many subscriber – based platforms right now and it, it it can be overwhelming like there yes there are a ton of people in the world you can always find people to support your content and like whatever but there are a ton of subscriber based platforms i think that plays a, like a, a role in it for sure but just in terms of like the future of entertainment and everything what, what do you see that whole situation as with those subscribers well, isn't platforms? cnn on all day every day well yeah like why why do they need <laughs> a cnn plus you go, you're gonna watch both of them at the same time yeah, I don't think imagine not, you know, the news is on. Don't they have multiple channels all day, every day? And you're just like, I'm not still not getting my fix. Yeah, I need that extra little interview. <laughs> I was saying I actually did a video of this uh, on the street was saying that. No, but they're there's still three, you know, they're still disseminating, getting rid of all the inf- misinformation, but there's still 3% misinformation on their real site. If you go behind the paywall, that's where there's zero misinformation. <laughs> they finally got rid of all the massive information. Yeah, it's just like... Final form of CNN. Yeah, and like, what do you... Two, just as both as a creator, because like, I mean, kid kids today are like, that's like a number one job they want to move into. Obviously, CNN Plus? No, no, no. That's <laughs> like number one on their list when they're five years old is CNN Plus. Um, no. So, I've heard that. Yeah. Like um, just being on YouTube and everything, too, and like monetization there. Like, how how do you look at the subscription model? Do you think that's something that's sustainable for the long term when all like the power is going to individuals? Everyone's going to have their form of like obviously needing to sustain themselves yeah. individually online. Like. Kind of what? Yeah. Do you have any? Beef well, people. There? Well, the Netflix thing, I think, is the same thing we're talking about. Where there was, um, I mean, that that obviously is the subscription. That that is the future of entertainment in a lot yeah. of ways. But the, uh, the they, I, I think, a lot of people would. It would be fun to b- think the narrative was just like you know they were like kind of beholden to the like woke mob, and that's why their content's yeah. worse and whatever. But I think that there is a there is obviously some of. I think it's more probably accurate to be like a lot of companies like that have a very specific mission and they were the only player for a long time. And then as soon as your mission gets a little wishy-washy, all it takes is for, you know, and now you now it's like your mission's a little less clear. Yep. You know, you start having side missions, which maybe, you know, whatever, like activism or, you know, uh, dealing with your employees. And now you have all these internal fights. So while this stuff is happening, which happens everywhere, uh, on top of that, you have more competitors. Uh, there are things that pricey, like HBO is making great stuff. They're having like a moment. Yep. And so I think it's just now, you know, they were in a platform, a, a period where they were the only one and they were the best one and they had a f- the kind of first mover advantage. And now there's everyone's doing it and, you know, in a lot of ways better. So it's I don't think it's so simple as what happened with Netflix. But in terms of, you know, how people always say that over and over again in the world, they just unpackage everything and then repackage it. Exactly. So <laughs> there is something to say about like, I think that right now the biggest places if you if you look at who are the probably well known as you know the biggest comedians for the most part there was at least a good four or five year period where they were uh we won't make stuff with these people and that's always sort of happened where there's the the you know mainstream misses things whether that's in music that's the reason why there's a million djs that are selling at arenas that you don't hear on the radio and maybe that's and then now that's sort of starting because they've sort of figured out a way to pair those people with pop singers and that's kind of what the new 
version of those people being popular looked like, right? But, and they would, there's always been a huge genre of like black comedians that the industry missed and they still are missing Mm -hmm. because, you know, they have a very specific window of what they like. So right now you have a lot of the huge tastemakers that aren't on these traditional platforms. So I think it does make sense for them to have subscription models and people want to be part of it. But it's not unlikely that it's not, you know, unlikely or improbable that in five years, a lot of those operate essentially like record labels. And you're starting mm-hmm. to see that sort of uh, take place, right? So basically, I'm a big, I think decentralization is what hap- is happening in all those industries. And dis- decentralization is naturally happening because of the internet. And then it's also happening. And it's also like in conjunction with the industry and mainstream places making bad choices and making bad decisions and losing their focus. So those things, two things together is positive for, I think, decentralization. But what happens next generally probably looks like, uh, let's say, you know, you have a situation where 10 people all have these big subscription models. Well, why not package those all together? And now we have, so I, I and then you essentially comedians or podcasters or, uh, you know, news curators essentially operate like record labels yep. as opposed to um, media conglomerates. That's interesting. And then I mean, I was also confused. I feel like everyone kind of flocks to want to wanting to put a, yeah, a political label in all these situations. To me, like I never felt like Netflix was like super woke by any means, but people really they produce some that? pretty wild stuff. And, oh, they've, really? you know, and Reed Hastings is like fairly active, you know, with saying, you know, getting involved in those. Debates what was and stuff Dave like Chappelle's that? special on? What? That was Netflix. Well, again, that was a perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect example of like yeah. if that was mo- like a, if that was uh, most comedy mm-hmm. networks. There were, you know, in historically, there probably wouldn't be protests from your employees. But that's, yeah, that's true. So that's like a, you know, they have your standard kind of Silicon Valley culture or whatever, where people don't yeah. like that stuff. So, I mean, imagine you're like, hey, we wanted to put out a special with the biggest comedian in the world. And, you know, probably what a lot of people would say is the best comedian in the world. And then your employees are protesting it. Like, <laughs> you don't see that as like... Uh, you can, it, you know, and obviously they decided to hold their ground on this one, but you think they're going to not think twice next time they go, okay, well, what about the one level down from that? What if this guy is the biggest comedian in the world and we want to make a special with them and it ain't Dave Chappelle? Is that worth the trouble mm-hmm. for us? I so agree. I think you end up, well, then what if this one's here in terms of the energy on the pulse, but it's not going to cause us any trouble? I mean, I think it's... It's not even always sinister. It's just like decisions that naturally happen if forces, forces, forces. It's like a guy with a or people in a relationship where the person's like, yo, why are you always out? Whatever. Right. And you might be like, I don't listen to her. If I want to go out, I'll go out. Mm -hmm. But eventually, four years from now, you tell me you didn't go out a little less after all this pressure. Like if you stay together, eventually you kind of it all seeps in and you're just naturally people moving in a direction that makes their life easier unless you are consciously not, unless you consciously make that your mission statement where, hey, we know that this thing is making us worse, so we're actively pushing against it or actively making some move like the Coinbase guy did or whatever, where you say, hey, you know what? We're not going to do politics in the office place. And this was a big kerfuffle in the short term, but we think in the long term it'll be positive. And I don't know. That, those are the experiments that are taking place all over, right? For sure. Where we go, yeah. Because, you know, some people could say, I, I, I'm a big proponent that you can do one thing at once. And even if like in a week, if I'm doing stand up or if I'm doing videos, like that has to be 
three days here, four days. You know, I'm, I don't think that people can do it. I want multiple things at once. And I think that- I like that notion. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think yeah. companies can do multiple things mm -hmm. at once. And if you say we want to be the best streaming service and the best, and then you get sidetracked with these kind of other, other missions, all it takes is for someone else to do the opposite. And then you see where it ends up. And I think that you're seeing that in like cities too, in uh, states, right? We go- California is running its experiment of what it's going to look like. And then Florida is running its own experiment of what mm -hmm. we're, what we want our schools to look like and what we want this to look like. And you're kind of ending up with these different places and you can, people can choose which one they like better. Yeah. I, I saw. Uh, or which one's more successful is probably a better way to look at it. And then you get to choose what your definitions of success is. If you, if you look at a thing and you go, Hey, well, I, you know, lean in a situation where I actually am not looking for a place where people can have more opportunity. What I'm looking for is the least level of stratification and huge welfare. If you say, okay, well, it's really impossible to start a company and be an entrepreneur. And on average, people make less money, but there's less, uh, uh, stratification or whatever, then mm -hmm. that may be a positive for you. And then you go, that was success depends on what your goal was. Yeah. Speaking to schools, I literally the past 48 hours, there's been a, a ton of news coverage on like pushback on just public, the public school system. Um, and just kind of get, wanting people to get more choice. What is you like, what was your experience in school and like in, in Canada and yeah, I, I would just like to hear, did you go to college or? What yeah, I went to university. Cool. Oh yeah. We call in Canada. We, College and university are different things. We call university university and then college will be what you call community college. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you call everything college. Yeah, college or university. Yeah, I yeah. usually always say college. Yeah, yeah. But um Yeah. I, I think in terms of the uh the like, yeah, everyone's talking about the school stuff right now, yeah. like, you know, in Florida and everything. To me, that is uh that's just a natural progression of like the moralizing. Because as soon as you uh as soon as you start telling everyone that we have kind of the moral uh you know, we have the code of mm -hmm. what like morality is. Eventually you're going to have to defend that like from first principles. So I think that other people are now realizing that that's like an effective political tool to be moralizing uh, or re-realizing yeah. what people have known, you know, uh, probably in the history of time that uh, a good way to, you know, gather momentum is to moralize. So I mean, and it doesn't even mean they're all true. It's like the same reason why I would say, yeah, there's a, it's not like I would be like racism is good, but you know, the, the, the extreme moralizing on, you know, where every action, I think you go on the other side, it's like, okay, well, I don't, I think it's, I think that I can make a pretty good case for why teaching, you know, seven-year-olds about sex is immoral. Yeah. And I think you could probably get a lot of people on that side. Right. Yeah. So I think extremes. Yeah. Well, it's almost like. We are, we pretend a lot of times that I think a lot of people that or at least want to believe that you can have arguments on principles. And when you're having intellectual conversations, like how do you not sort of have some sort of principles if you want to have any sort of level of uh, coherency? And, yeah, right. <laughs> but in that realm, it's like really no one has a problem being a hypocrite. It's not about principles. It's like a war. Right. So it's. uh it's, it's irrelevant if the principles flipped for most people. What's relevant is like getting your way. Yeah, it's just tribalism stuff. Yeah, so it really, it feels like right now you're sort of, it's not about right or left. You're fighting like a, uh, here's two centralized bodies that sort of tell you how, that would l love to in a perfect world to tell everyone how to live versus, you know, what what is, what is a, a naturally decentralized future look like? And 
that probably will remain to be seen the extent to which that emerges and the extent to which everyone fights back against it. Hmm. Yeah. And wh what platforms are you on? Are you like even on Facebook and everything with yeah. your content as well? Facebook's a hidden, uh, hidden gem. Yeah. I've had a few <laughs> hits on there, but I've, I know a few people that they're like, that's the hidden secret well, of selling tickets from Facebook. Because they need good content on there. They're like, okay. Like, There's still a ton of people yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, you, yeah. Just Especially talk, in other countries. Yeah, you I was going to say other, it's like the main platform, like India, that's it's yeah. all the rage there. I know India got like rid of TikTok and such. So, I mean, like other platforms are all the rage there. But like, what is... Yeah, the different reaction of your comedy on different platforms. Or do you feel like across the board it's kind of a similar? No, there there is. I mean, you could, I think, drive yourself crazy trying to, uh, you know. Assess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one person has uh, said a while ago that it's like it's probably best to pick one platform that you design it for. Mm. And then so I do make different cuts for different platforms. And I, I feel like I'm fairly in tune with the rhythms of different platforms and the even just the you know pe what becomes popular on there changes the dynamic of it and it's you know you'll see people post their stand-up clips on on tiktok now where not only do they have words but they have graphics like yeah. it really is like just quick <laughs> stimulation yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like just, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's the vibe of you know i mean yeah. every platform probably has the extent of how much they watch before they turn it mm -hmm. off and then there's also you know, what, what, uh, what are the dimensions and to what extent you put, uh, words on the screen and how big are they? And all of that is a way to keep attention. Right. But, um, I think that I, you're always losing somewhere. So I think that, uh, I try to probably think of YouTube as the main thing. So I think I would consider myself ultimately making content for YouTube yeah. and then I clip it for other platforms. Yeah. And all your, most of your skits are, I would say they're predominantly under like five minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. About like two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And like. My rhythm is kind of like a, I make comedy sketches like punk songs. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> and like, so aside from what you're posting on the most, what platform are you, do, are you most active on Twitter? Do you feel like throughout the day? No. Really? I don't really post on Twitter. I only post my videos there and then like tweet, you know, maybe once or twice a week. Or, I mean, more so, like as a bystander. Like, oh, like look at it? Yeah. Um, no, probably if I was being honest, I'd probably look at Instagram the most because oh. I also use that as like a messenger to message all my friends. Like I have mm -hmm. all my group chats on Instagram and I have, so I actually communicate with people on Instagram. So that's why I use that. Yeah. It's like stories on Instagram and messaging is like all all they seem to like have yeah. left, which is really, I mean, in the US, it feels that way again. It's it's very interesting. But what are your thoughts? Of course, Elon bought Twitter yesterday for what, $44 billion? Bad news for Truth Social. Yeah. <laughs> Truth Social was bad news from the start. Like even branding yourself as Truth Social, it's like, the one time, like you have something like go wrong the on there. Truths, <laughs> yeah, like the reach, like the one time you have something go wrong on there, it just like breaks down the entire brand being called True Social. Like, what, yeah. what, what is that? They have a lot of money right now too, and they don't even know what to do with it. They're just like, they, it's like they got, they got, they started this company, and now they're just like, I guess we got to hire people and have a company. Have you, have you been on the platform? I haven't even like checked it out. No, I have not gone on True Social, but uh, Danny, <laughs> all, the guy who the voice cast with, is always showing me stuff on there. Yeah. The fact that they call them truths and retruths. We've been talking about this a lot because it's just so funny to me. The equivalent of uh, <laughs> you're getting kicked off because you're not like you're, you're I going, know actually Hillary point. shouldn't be in jail. And they, they kick you off because you're not telling the truth. 
Yeah, well, I, I've seen because I think they might have opened the platform to the public. I'm sorry if I'm speaking incorrectly there. I yeah, think, no, like, but there's a big wait list. Yeah. It, it might be one of the clunkiest like rollouts of a, comp- a, mo- a social media company in modern history. It, well, I didn't know <laughs> it's they a were, mess. I didn't know they were called retruths, but I've seen. They, I think I can get on because yeah, they they mm-hmm. sent me like, hey, well, well, you can skip the line if you want because they want people on your social, but well, probably good. On Twitter, I follow like like I follow like an array of journalists, for example, and some are like left leaning, and some of them before even posting on Truth Social, like they got banned right away. How? Like just like I I, I don't know the situation. Maybe I heard a few people get banned for posting wild like stuff, but mm-hmm. not for just connecting. I think to like their Twitter profile and then like people I maybe mass like they found out they weren't a truth them. teller. Yeah, like they found out they're not a truth teller. <laughs> <laughs> they deemed them not a truth teller via Twitter, and then yeah, it's it's just interesting. Well, the whole it was it's so funny because the whole thing is that True Social is Twitter, but with the forbidden fruit of Trump. <laughs> Right. And then Trump's still not on there. But he kept, he's basically saying, you know, he's going to make his big debut. Right. But he, and he had some date he's going to make it, but he's had, he's skipped. So far, he hasn't made his debut. He's still preparing some tweets for it. Well, what's been interesting about this Elon thing is, of course, he's using free speech and free speech is a term for all Americans under like the Constitution. But the, the right tends to like to like weaponize it and use it as a buzz term and like really just like, taking elon under their wing for this and like idolizing him for this yeah and also they're pushing him into their wings so it's like both it's happening both right yeah i'm like i don't know if he claims y'all but (laughs) yeah like it's just interesting to see that this extreme thing elon like on a pedestal now with all this i he's like there's probably he's gonna bring back Trump, I would assume, in the way that... Trump said he won't come back. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Trump... Well, like, dude, he, it's, he has a, you know, a very... Uh, they have a lot of money, and that's that SPAC, I think, on SPAC, and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much they raised, but it was billions, I'm pretty sure. And the whole thing hinges on Trump being that's the only place that you get his information from. So, I, I mean, he would have mm-hmm. to not go on there... You know, or or maybe he says like my well my tweets go on tr- on Twitter, but like they're three days later. If you want the if you want the on the minute, it's gonna come from True Social. Well, because it's like he only got a two year ban on Facebook and Instagram, so he'll be back in early twenty. Oh, is that what they said? Which is like the worst. I didn't time. know that. I thought it was I thought it was indefinite. Yeah, no, it's tw- early twenty twenty three for Facebook and Instagram is two years, which is the worst timing. Why ban him at all? Like for that amount of time, twenty twenty three coming back is like a big bang for him in terms of like all the debates and everything start. It's like, that's terrible timing. It's so funny because people will be like, uh, oh, this uh, billionaire is going to control speech or whatever. Mm -hmm. When, I mean, it's just, first of all, like that's, that's already in the the case. And then second of all, his whole thing was he wants to not control speech. Yep. But I think that it kind of shows people how much they the, – I well, if you're – there's some people I just think are operating from a political bad faith realm, but people that have just been straight up like brainwashed by all this nonsense, they, the, they're sold that, you know, Elon Musk is going to take over Twitter and it's going to be like, uh, you know, a dystopian future of like – 
just everyone yelling the N-word. You can't even go on Twitter. They're basically picturing Mad Max is what Twitter yeah. is going to be like. You know, one tumbleweed, like a guy, you know, no <laughs> no one even has like the guts to go on the mean streets of Twitter because it's, you know, like yeah. a gang violence in the 70s is what, you know. So people are in their mind, they're, you know, if we don't have these bodies protecting everyone, then it's going to be all mayhem will break loose, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I, my guess is that he's not going to even mess with the bullying harassment stuff as much. He's going to be more focused on uh, probably, you know, for example, you know, how the New York Post doing the Hunter Biden laptop stuff and you couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. My guess will be at least at the early stages that will be kind of the mission of what he's saying. But I don't know. I mean, that to me, that's part of what this looks like moving forward where where everyone says everything's being forced to be, you know, on the table and it is kind of, uh, where does this stuff go? Does it kind of, you end up in a situation where you have essentially like the free world and then like the safe world, Yeah. you know, do you have kind of like a, that's very safe. Do you have like a, you know, safety Twitter, a safety Twitter and a safety Netflix where you can put it on and you go, you know, this is the safe, safe version where I know I'm not going to potentially be exposed to any ideas that I think are bad. Yeah. There's not going to be any comedy that says any no, no words. Right. That's uh, or, and everyone else has a free one or does all of this or the other way that it happens is these like two sides fight it up so much that eventually everyone gets tired of this whole conversation and it kind of retracts a little bit back to probably how it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. where your average person is doesn't feel like they're involved in a you know political battle yeah and i think you just have to meet culture where it is too you're gonna have this initial everyone initially flock to truth social and then they realize okay <laughs> i don't think that many people are flocking no no there. like well like initially <laughs> like a, a bunch of people were signing up for it and everything yeah. and then they realize okay this is pretty boring it's just like an echo chamber of well like, that's they all the people yeah. that liked twitter yeah that are right wing mm-hmm. i know that they you know right wing people would be like yeah, I don't want to have my stuff taken down. But more importantly, they like, want to argue with people. <laughs> exactly. It's like people go on Twitter, like any anyone who's really, you know, political, they go on there to dunk on people and kind of argue. And I think some people, it's not even necessarily bad faith. They actually like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not this. Com- Sometimes it's like coming from a place of hatred. I think some people just actually like arguing about that shit. Like the same way that people... You know, me and my friends like to go to a bar and argue with each other. Yeah. I think some people see it like that, right? Where they kind of enjoy it and they little, you know, shit disturbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as the other people, will it be unsafe for them? It's like you can already like block people. I think the harassment stuff's not going to change to a huge degree. Yeah. I, I think that Elon was saying they want to like identify, I thought, authenticate. Am I saying that right? Often. Well, that that is a factor that most of the people that are really saying wild stuff don't have their their names there. But I think that he's yeah. I think that he's wrong about that. Uh, uh, I mean, this is a crazy complicated thing. Yeah, anonymous stuff pseudonymity stuff. Like, well, but yeah, but the reason people the reason people like Twitter is because they can go there and say stuff anonymously mm-hmm. without getting fired. Yep. You know, and people will be like, I know a lot of commentators will or people like me that do make stuff will kind of shit on that and be like, well, why are you, you know, you're not, you're a coward, you're anonymous or whatever. And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't want to get fired. It's like, yeah. You know, they don't, like I said, I've spent a lot of time designing my life that I could, you know, put my opinion out there without, you know, the tomorrow waking up and I'm, 
out of out of work mm -hmm. and even still it's you know risky business but for a normal person if you work at you know the bank and you want to have an opinion on something like you know, there's a now like i said the 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 entire you know left-wing twitter was very dedicated to trying to get people fired for mm -hmm. a really long time and now the right-wing twitter's figured out how to do that the other way around so uh, yeah i can imagine why people wouldn't want to have their name verified and then say their opinion now they wake up and they're fired from their job yeah so also last week the the there was that whole libs of tiktok situation where yeah. washington post put out an article um libs of T libs of tiktok had elderly woman taylor loren <laughs> Um, she, I think Libs of TikTok had like what 400k, and now they're up to probably around 800k just since yeah. that article came out. Just doubled in following. Crazy. It just kind of yeah. like did a mass one. Well, who is she talking to? Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's one thing if you're talking to someone that like this is a, a website that legitimately uh, shows liberals doing crazy mm -hmm. stuff. Like, do you think there's one person on there that would care about that article? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like it, one of their fans, it's just, their it, followers. It was just gonna. It just literally fueled people. That's all it did. Yeah, it's not like people are like, oh, what libs of TikTok because it's like people. It's an echo chamber of itself, and people, yeah, who aren't outside of it, they're not gonna like see libs of TikTok and be like, oh, let's read this, dude. A lot of those people, yeah, a lot of those yeah. people have spent all their time, you know, weeding out anyone that's dissonant from all the jobs, and then mm -hmm. they're kind of like, we're gonna get you fired from your jobs. We're like, what jobs? Yeah, <laughs> no one in entertainment has jobs anymore. Like mm -hmm. everyone's left that system. So it, I talked about this a bit on my comedy special, but it really is easier to get people fired from their you know, Silicon Valley jobs or their Hollywood jobs or their high profile, you know, those jobs have essentially become corporate jobs where you got to really, you know, either try to just be right in line with what you think the modern pulse of, you know, Hollywood's opinion on things are, you mm -hmm. know, what do we think now? You know, or you go the other way where you, you go, I'm deleting my Twitter, I'm deleting my Instagram and I'm going to be a movie star and no yep. one's going to hear from me about anything. But anyone that wants to be a good comedian you know, that wants to do stand up, it's pretty hard to, or a podcast, it's pretty hard to have like a, you know, speak and put out opinion based stuff without, you know, stepping on the wrong thing. And if you never step on the wrong thing, then it's like, well, why would I come to a podcast to listen to you say the stuff that I already, yeah, that's what yeah. everyone thinks. Well, I was hoping for a different perspective. Yeah, like anonymity and pseudonymity are, are important. Like me, me on TikTok, it was like 2019. There wasn't really people like I'm older, helm of like Gen Z. My friends weren't on the platform. I like yeah, was first getting comfortable sharing my opinions online. I used like a pseudonym name, but my face was still attached. But I felt comfort on the platform because I knew like people I didn't know. Yeah, I knew weren't on it. And I mean, that's such a important part of the internet. And, like yeah, exploring just like. I don't know your boundaries and your like your identity to an extent, and definitely when you're at a certain cultural rel relevance, like you have to take some accountability responsibility. I, just, I mean, yeah. it just is what it is. If you yeah. if you have a million subscribers, people are going to be trying to find out who you are, and mm -hmm. someone's going to uh, get to it. Someone's going to figure it out. Yeah, I just it's probably if you get to a certain level, it's probably yeah, it's very difficult for you to. Uh, you know, be Batman forever without having your mask taken off well, in it, the real world. There's, I mean, it's just like there's so many gray areas because, I mean, in reality, the future and, you know, what Zuckerberg talks about with everything with the metaverse, it's like it's going to uplift that that type of approach with anonymity so much more. So it's like those are important conversations to have. And yet there are so many gray areas. So what are all the different boundaries there when like I, I know at, at one point Australia was talking about people having to have their like driver's license 
um, associated with their social media accounts. Yeah. They can stu- still use anon names. They can still use pseudonymity, but just like in the background for responsibility purposes. Like, yeah, if you're if you're reported and all this different well, stuff. Well, there's a solution to this that yeah. is, you know, a cultural solution that doesn't require laws telling you that you have to, mm-hmm. you know, not be anonymous. It's that if everything settled down and there wasn't <laughs> insane repercussions, then people mm-hmm. wouldn't, you know, feel like they are afraid to say their opinion, but currently they are. So, you know, if you tell them, well, you have to use your real name if you want to be on Twitter as a way to like make them behave, which yep. is, the, I guess, the purpose of that, right? You say people will behave better if they have to be, uh, show their face, but you go, well, uh, if that, is like putting an objective measure on like what behaving better is. If behaving better in the Hollywood sense means you've, you know, uh, uh, have the right opinion on whatever the new in vogue thing is, this, you know, news cycle, then I think that people are going to rebel against that and find out new ways to not uh, have their face attached to their opinions. It also goes hand in hand with our relationship with work, though, because, yeah, at this point, it's like uh, companies feel like you're representative of the company's opinions in a way. So if you're putting out certain opinions, like we're going to push back. But that relationship is odd. And like we even see with Elon, like CEOs and being a Twitter troll doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. And people like to push on him a lot for that. But it's just kind of like he's literally like, uh, like all my toilet breaks. I'm just tweeting. Yeah, but he's built a he's built his business on uh, being able to like hype up ideas because Mm -hmm. he has, such. you know, that's how he was able to essentially will Tesla's, you know, stock price. Yeah, it's like their, it's their marketing for sure. And like to some degree, I mean, the Barstool uh-huh. guy does that. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot of people have that business model. When you're running a company, you got to be the face of it. And- mm-hmm. But it's like um, to, to a point now, because that, that wasn't traditional, like CEOs were kind of, yeah, like buttoned up, not you're, you're not. There's sh- been some probably. Yeah. But it's now you're seeing like even uh, Bezos become more active on Twitter slowly but surely. <laughs> Zuckerberg has been like way more they active on Instagram. <laughs> like he's been way more active on Instagram lately. Like, I mean, he used yeah. to post like maybe once a month. The past week he's been on his stories every single day. He's been oh, posting right. on feed. Zuck's like, trying to is- get it out there. He's got a publicity uh, agent. Yeah, it's like interesting. That it's like almost like a they're like, oh, they got all this money. But it's like now they want some cultural relevance because they see like you on doing it. And, like, yeah, or they're seeing like, the utility of the cultural yeah, relevance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy to see. And I'm sure that a lot of these people uh, would probably rather not be posting on their stories. But yeah, so, sure. yeah, those things are, I'm sure, fairly uh, um, motivated. They aren't just like, oh, yeah, randomly just Zuck loves posting stories now. Well, it's like, like, that's probably a boardroom meeting. Well, Bezos put out that tweet yesterday and it was uh, quote tweeting some stuff about Tesla and like their um, relations with China and different products. And he, he quote tweeted and I've. Forget the question exactly. Wait, I have it right here. It was just like, um, I need to pull it up so I don't get this wrong. um, So, yeah, they were listing all of Tesla's relationships with China in terms of the products. Interesting question. Did the Chinese government just gain a bit of leverage over the town square? Zinger. Yeah. Like and then so he had that up for like three hours. And then after (laughs) he posted underneath being like, I mean, Elon's also uh, good at dealing with complicated issues. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like he was definitely trying to stir something up a little bit. But then he's like, oh, my answer is probably not. Yeah. 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 He's not ready for this life. I've seen that a million times. He's not ready for that Internet fight life. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's a skill to be able to handle that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's a tolerance you develop too, right? Yeah. Because just like anything, uh you um the more it happens, the more you know if it's the right amount. Like mm-hmm. if if you're having a swarm of people yelling at you, you're just like, "Oh, crap." But if you know 
this is how many followers I have, this is how much is a normal amount. And you're like, oh, it's only a little bit higher. You can kind of rationalize like this. the validity of like what- Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah, you, and and what you said, how inflammatory, who are the people that are mad at you? You sort of- <laughs> It's a you formula. Sort of, yeah, but you also um, are able to rationalize in your brain because what drives people's brains crazy is uh, uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. So when you sort of have a grasp on a little bit what this looks like, I think it's easier. So getting into that game, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's trying to say wild stuff, and then he goes, oh, "I mean, actually, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready for this life." But um, I think that he he's doing the same thing because he owns the Washington Post. So I mean. This is, it's kind of all of Twitter right now is just everyone hoping that their billionaire is going to like save the day for them. <laughs> yeah, it's just everyone flocking to their billionaires, except that they've never been, yeah, Gates, Bezos, Zuck, like good at the internet, I feel like in terms no, of, No, but yeah. they're, yeah, they're, you, I think you, you uh, said an interesting thing too, that it does, it is interesting that you have a whole like generation of people that kind of, uh, that are, that love the idea that people are like such a slave to their company that mm -hmm. even what they tweet they should be fired for like the whole idea of everyone should be fired for everything yeah is so antithetical to like i care about workers rights and everything like mm -hmm. that which is probably w what so much of you know modern culture has moved away from actually caring about any uh you know your average person that just like has a job and um uh, has to you know go to work and raise a family or whatever Wall Street Journal put out an article this week. It's a uh, how long new hires are expected to stay at their current job. Um, people 18 to 24, it's like 70 percent are two years or less. And in the past years, it's, of course, been like five or more years. And also Vox put out an article uh, yesterday, basically a buzz term that people used a lot, I would say, back in 2020 is like Gen Z does not dream of labor. One of the quotes they used was, uh, do you work? <laughs> I don't have goals. I don't have ambition. I only want to be attractive. I'm like, that's probably not the best like use of like, there, there's an actual argument there. And then like, you're, you're, you're going to use that quote. I only want to be that's attractive. Just, yeah. Sort of like <laughs> modern and internet, like nihilism for show. Yeah. It, for, it just goes into all of that too. Cause just the, the personal relationship with work. Oh, you want to feel like a family. You want to feel like a team, which is important. Like work is, of course, an important aspect of like your schedule and it's a huge part of your life hours wise. Um, but then there's this weird relationship of yeah, people just pushing back on like, OK, what am I actually here for? Just OK, maybe to make money. And uh, maybe a lot of the work I do feels robotic. It's it's a bizarre thing to see unfold. <laughs> it sort of relates back to what we were, you know, kind of touching on at the beginning, though, where. You know, there's, there's, a, it's easy. It's one thing to diagnose a problem, mm -hmm. and then, you know, what people want to do about it is a very different thing. Because yep. I actually very much agree that there is like a bad deal for young people, mm -hmm. and or you know, millennials, and maybe a, I think Gen X are learning from it a little bit. Yeah, and uh, or Gen Z. Sorry, Gen Z. Is <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but you go, yeah, <laughs> yeah it is yeah, a, yeah. it is like a bad deal, and yeah. I, I mean, on a per, so on like a. There's like a what do you do on society and what do you do on an individual? Like on an individual level, I would definitely not want to – I would never tell – I would say that if you're a person that has aspirations, you probably shouldn't enter like a workforce that seems hostile to you where the deal doesn't seem to make sense. Mm -hmm. Like the whole package doesn't really make sense, right, to go to school and – but it will for some people. I mean certain people are overachievers and you're going to succeed wherever. But then you go, what is your average person? Like so – 
if you want to do something great, I think that it's a better time than ever to be able to sort of exit the exit the mainstream of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And the cost is actually lower in a lot of ways because for before, let's say here, okay, so if you want to be a doctor or a, you know, work at IBM or whatever yes. the, or like maybe you want to be a contractor, whatever the standard, I could probably name off even more jobs. Than just, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to do one of those jobs, right? But if you want to leave, you go, well, then what, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of, the, the cost is high to like, tell your family or your, even your parents when you're young, you're going, I'm not going to, it feels like a higher cost. Whereas mm -hmm. now you could, you could do that and just go, I'm going to go deliver food for a second. Yep. You know, when I feel like it, I'll do Uber for a second. I'll do maybe some other thing. So, and it's not as crazy. So I think the rewards lower for a lot of traditional careers and the, and the moving away from it is lower uh, to sort of try something different. So on that side, it is, I can see why if you're 22 and you go to just finish school and you have some job, you don't get paid that much. You can't really afford that good of a house, mm -hmm. you know, because everything's so expensive. You feel like you're getting work to the bone. And then yeah, on top like of that- you're just working for what? Like just to keep working. Like and then on top cycle. of that, you see the uh, you see the alternative to that in your face nonstop. Yeah. So it's not just, okay, well, this is kind of what it is and we're all dealing with it. It's like, no, I know lots of people that, you know, uh, have, that's why every dude's trying to be a crypto guy because you go, <laughs> you've seen that that's a better life, mm -hmm. whatever. That's why everyone's trying to day trade or trying to, everyone that's out there, people are- doing travel vlogs in the rich. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? There's girls that are getting naked on OnlyFans and now they make 200 grand a year. And that's mm -hmm. not even that out, out crazy, right? Yeah. So to a lot of people, you go, that's a better life available, but it's it's only a better life available if you're the type of person that can kind of motivate yourself and be an alternative lifestyle. So for some people, even though that's attractive, they couldn't do it. So it's actually just making them sadder. So then now, so that's the whole problem, I guess. So for some people their idea of what the solution was is the government, I guess, would step in and, you know, give them money. All yeah. right. And I think that you guys probably talk a lot about that mm -hmm. or, you know, but to me, there might be something to be said about the, I always think of what, you know, like the student loan thing, not of the answers here, but if I, if the, with the student loans, right. A lot of people took a, you know, a hundred grand to get a arts degree. That's useless. Right. Yep. One, obvious thing that will happen is if anyone who grew up and watched their mom do that or their dad do that won't do that mm -hmm. like anyone who whose parents right now you know they're 14 and their dad is 80 grand of debt and he works some normal job from university they're not going to do that so there's an entire generation of people that probably are you know so that's already being affected which you know the same way that all this stuff's happening is probably moving a lot of those people away from the workforce and creating new things and creating a new world but it's always, I think that's probably what you guys talk about. And I, I think I respect a lot of the stuff you say, but there is always that like, Hey, how much short-term pain happens, mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, potentially a better solution in the future. And then how does that pain get distributed? Yep. And I guess that's kind of the fundamental question of where you sit. You know what I mean? No, I love that point. Cause that's something I say all the time is sometimes like initial huge movements are necessary to start like conversations about stuff. But then in reality to like, you're saying sometimes like time is truly what heals it. There's going to be generations where like they, they have this stain on them and they're just like stuck in a mindset and like what, whatever, but as culture changes and yeah, as younger generations observe something, um, 
it's just like funnels and like as they grow older. Sometimes it, it takes it, a generation. Yes. Sometimes yeah. it does. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, think about how, I, I mean, I'm not the only one that would be talking about this stuff, but just I can probably name the three things that I'm the most a part of. Yep. Because if I look at how this manifested in my personal life, but the biggest one, let's say just comedy. Yep. There was a t- time where, you know, in 2015, 2016, where everything was sort of changing, a lot of these networks were making bad choices and comedians like me were just like, there's no place for me to be part of this, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were kind of saying, you know, there was a time when you could kind of work through this system. So what, I spend 25 years being, 10 years being a comedian, you try to take these writing jobs, now you can't even make money and you're not even getting jobs and basically this is a dead end path. And not that you should ever be owed a career in fucking being famous, but yeah. like that is what people said. It basically took four years to sort itself out. Where all of those people left the industry and now everyone's kind of making money, selling tickets Mm. and running their own business. That happened in four years. That's wild. Where all of those people that were, you know, trying to get writing jobs and trying to pitch, you know, sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Now all of those, like an enormous cohort of those people have left. A new industry has emerged. And that was in four years. It went from... Uh, late night being the biggest thing in the world to Joe Rogan's the biggest thing running a podcast in his basement in a very, very short period of time. So, I mean, it may feel long, but sometimes it's short. But then again, um, four years is like that. <laughs> right. So the then, and then on the other side, maybe there is, you know, sometimes when we're talking about these things, I mean, maybe on my loan thing, like this has become a popular conversation. There's a lot of people, you know, the James Aldrich's of the world, I'm sure, mm-hmm. like guys like that, that are like, yo, don't go to college. This doesn't make sense. So maybe that is changing things. And, but, uh, there's also forces working the other way that are saying, actually, we should make it easier and the government should pay more of it. And that'll probably push. the. So, you know, I don't know. It's a everything's going in uh, a fight that's taking place at the same time. So I'm like, I don't necessarily know uh, which one of those things is the best. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, I guess you could. It all boils down to that, like who gets the pain and how much of it is there. And can you as a society take that? Hmm. Yeah. Well, epic and insight. And like, I think one last thing, because I wanted that to be the last thing, but I find this really interesting. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg put out, it was an article, I think New York Times yesterday that Meta is opening uh, like in-person stores now for their virtual reality and uh, AR glasses. Full circle? Yeah, full full circle now in person stores all stuff. Have you tried virtual reality? Yeah, isn't that the best? Yeah, it goes? Like- <laughs> That's right. I think that uh, like was there Amazon. I think was talking about that too recently or whatever. And it was just like they basically took yeah. What if we take stores and put them online? And it's like what if there was an online store, but it was like at a location or like Uber having taxis now, like yeah. all this different stuff. It's like what I love when it just goes. But that's what I mean. It always is just you know <laughs> unpackaging everything. And then building it. I always think that in my own life that there's so many times that I do need to break stuff down. So I really try to build on things that make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just end up built on too many faulty things and then you just have to like break it all down and kind of build it up again better. So a lot of times it is just that where they, uh, they just, uh, look how CDs used to be sold. Mm -hmm. Right. It was, they had, uh, everyone sold CDs and then the, the, those market clearing houses are like, here's the eight CDs. They bundled them back up. Then they sort of, uh, they got rid of that. And then they sort of decentralized it again back to, you know, the Napsters and the Apple music of the world. And then they basically now had Spotify where you pay a service and then you bundled all of them together. It just keeps unbundling and bundling. I'm also (laughs) moving back to like hotels instead of Airbnbs half the time because Airbnbs, all the different fees and it's also just easier to book a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to clean up after yourself. Like you don't have to deal with a person. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, full circle. But have you tried virtual reality? Okay, so I tried virtual reality. I've tried. um, 
I don't know. Uh, there's probably lots of different versions, mm -hmm. but I have tried the one where you put the helmet on yeah. and, uh, you know, walk around and stuff like that. <laughs> how have you liked it? I'm just interested to hear. How you I'm know. very skeptical of Mark Zuckerberg's vision of the utility of this immediately. Mm -hmm. So I get the idea of, you know, like, let's say Zoom meetings. Everyone's doing that right now. Right. Yeah. That happened very quickly where that was. And I get that. And you go. Okay, but what if you put the glasses on and it feels like you're together? And I was like, I, I want right, to be zoned I, out I, in a lot of meetings. I, I don't want to be like yeah, writing I mean, on a whiteboard. Yeah, I just it's the same reason why uh, a lot of times I don't want people call me and I'm like, you can send a text. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not so I I don't really see the utility outside of like gaming and fun, yeah. which I do see a huge like mark and I see a big, uh, you know, there's. But I guess to me, it seems like at its core, Mark Zuckerberg wants to own like the crypto marketplace or at least, you know, uh, be able to sort of uh, make money off of the crypto marketplace is mm -hmm. really the goal underneath it all. But so as far as I, I've it's very I, I still don't get it. You go, OK, you could go on a date with someone, I guess, or like you give me a you like a real life usefulness of the of the metaverse it's not a real life usefulness unfortunately what, what, what is what, i think it's literally just pitch it to me what would i oh, what no, would i'm be not useful? pitching it because i'm not about you don't it. really yeah, see yeah. it yeah. like yeah. i mean i see like what he's trying to do but i'm not like which is what it. what is what is a real life usefulness of it it's just like going to be a parallel to real reality but something so much more interesting like think about like you could subscribe to like almost like a day in the life of like your favorite celeb see, celebrity is, all of these things are just fun right yeah, yeah. i don't even go on vacation i don't do i write and do comedy and podcasts and then I go do stand-up at night it's like I don't do anything else but think like social media it's like the next level of just like an immersive version of social media like like yeah social media it's fun but it's also like a lot yeah, of I can, different I can facets. see yeah. that but again you're still talking about entertainment yeah. so mm -hmm. the, all of the things that I see is useful are just entertainment yeah I agree yeah so I don't see any you know real value outside of that other than listen my family lives in a different place um uh, so if, you know, I could see that us doing like a meeting up, yeah, a meet up. But again, that's, you know, very small. You know, mm -hmm. we did a Zoom thing. It's kind of cool. I can also talk to my mom on the phone. Yeah. It's not, you know, the end of the world. But but yeah, the I don't do any of that stuff. But I, I guess I could see what you're saying where, well, what if instead of watching your favorite creator doing a TikTok dance, it feels like. You're watching her do something in her house, but it feels like <laughs> you're in the house or something, right? <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's that's a weird, but right. I guess so. It yeah. feels like someone's watching her podcast, but it feels like they're watching they, from that chair they're there, like sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see that. So, in the same way that they've talked about being able to do, you know, online comedy clubs and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and maybe it will. But again, I I don't see the real life application outside of entertainment and slight conveniences like i guess if you had the glasses on now i'm rambling but if you have, if you had the glasses on and instead of having two computers i could have five computers and it sort of stores places you know from a maybe there's like a workflow thing that makes it easier i don't know i mean it's like i don't like to wear the i don't want to wear the glasses that, either yeah like i think to be honest let alone it's just a helmet to, to be honest it's just about like stimulation at the end of the day like i don't do anything yeah, no, no, for me i know that's what i'm saying like people like the reality of what virtual reality is going to end up being is just like max stimulation. Do you know what still stimulates people the most? Probably uh, hanging out with their friends and having sex. <laughs> so, I mean, Go really. touch grass, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like legitimately. <laughs> well, um, I think one last point too, you find interesting, you'll have to like watch this interview. with It's with Tim, Tim Ferriss and Mark Zuckerberg recently. He was just talking about how 
people be, will be able to build. Like, like, oh no, all, I listened to Tim Ferriss uh, or Zuckerberg's on uh, a different one, but uh, yeah, it was I know, probably I saw Lex Friedman maybe. But yeah, it was that one. Yeah, he was just talking about yeah, people will be able to build like their own governments almost, like their own towns. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Just, well, like, yeah, I understand the like NFT application, and that's that's where I can see why businesses are trying to like mm-hmm. grab this space. I do get the idea of, you know, building this land and owning it and inside the metaverse. I mean, I've already, there's that already has always existed in games forever, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have these swords that you own, right? There is property in, in the like virtual world already. But as far as, uh, people owning their own cities, I guess, well, then what? You just live in the city and you never come out to the real world? Because it's still, it's, if I live here and that is essentially one of two things. One is it's like a back to entertainment. Yep. Or two, it's like my like weekend home. Like it's like a getaway. So it's like a cottage. Mm-hmm. So you have a cottage, but instead of the cottage being on a lake, you put a helmet on and the cottage exists in the virtual world. Maybe. I don't know. I yeah. think it's my prediction is that people have been talking about AI and VR for a really long time. Yep. And while other things, like we said, TikTok didn't exist, what, four or five years ago? Well, Musical.ly has been around for almost 10 years, but yeah, TikTok, TikTok yeah, four, went yeah, from, you know, no one heard of it to the number one thing mm-hmm. that kids use or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. AR and VR, I've been hearing about, you know, like 30 uh, years, SPACs and... Uh, IPOs and mm-hmm. big investments from lots of companies and people going in the space. I've heard in, into this, the space, not space. I've been hearing about that forever. Yet I've seen zero application change mm-hmm. in terms of normal human life. Mm-hmm. They haven't even been able to make 3D movies watchable. Yeah. Like y- they've yet to make 3D mov- movies anything anyone wants to see. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I've still been stub- stubborn. I haven't even tried like a VR headset yet. It's the same way I am with gaming. Like I, I watch Twitch like here and there, but it's so I'm like, I, I know what's going on in like the gaming yeah. world. And like, I know how games are played and stuff, but I'm like, I'm I feel- just following the yeah, way anyone follows any other creators. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I know I'd get hooked. So I'm like, I'm not even going to okay. game. <laughs> like I, I just like, it's kind of a boundary thing. And, but it's just weird because let's say, yeah, at Meta, they're definitely going to start incorporating in the next five years, like into their work day, these headsets and like- them wanting to yeah let, 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 let's do these meetings through vr or whatever i get it's, the workplace use for it yeah it's just like i'm interested to see the boundaries that are going to ha- happen there between like what if someone doesn't want to be involved in vr stuff at all and like within workplaces if that becomes a mainstream situation like can people be like i don't know are there going to be workplaces that are like no we do not yeah i guess it becomes a productivity thing like imagine you know we're Laptop. doing a zoom meeting at work and i have this paper and i'm able to just go you know, the way that you kind of swipe your phone, I'm mm-hmm. able to go, oh, yeah, and then it just kind of comes up on your screen. I mean, I don't know. It's all it's all very – everything that I can think of is very minutiae productivity oriented, yeah. which I do care about. But it's, it's not – this is, in my opinion, a – minor improvement of the of of everyone's day-to-day life yeah i think we're on the same page but thank you for being here where can yeah, everyone yeah having. where can everyone find you again what's your like social the boys cast with ryan long every friday mm-hmm. and that is my podcast it's on youtube and itunes and all the other places and uh, i do a sketch every 
week every Monday at youtube.com slash Ryan Long Comedy and all my social media handles are at Ryan Long Comedy. Hey, all right. Thank you. It was great talking. Thank you. (laughs) 